From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Disney Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland Edition for the week of January 10th, 2013. I'm your host, Tom Bell, and I'm joined by Nancy Johnson from our Disneyland team and our special guest, Michael Bowling. In this segment, Michael is going to talk about Walt Disney's love of trains and how they inspired him. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you. I'm happy Yay. to be back. Yay, hey, we're happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, I'm wondering, did any, did either of you have a fascination with trains when you were little? No, but oh I always try to play with my sons now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, what about oh, my God. I never, I I, I never had cool toys when I was a kid. I always wondered if it was a boy thing or did girls also like trains? Okay. My parents were absolute train geeks and a half. Oh, wow. I grew up with so much soot from steam trains up my nose when I was a child from being forced to ride steam trains back and forth and back and forth. We had layouts galore. I mean, it was just one of those things. My grandpa was in it. Well, my family was a railroading family too, so that you know, oh, to northern family. So, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so yeah, so I have a long history with trains. Yeah, I, I mean, I had the the Lionel train set that I think every, at least, boy of my generation grew up with. And one of my granddaughter's favorite new toys when she comes over to our house is our Walt Disney World model train set that we picked up. So seeing her playing with it reminded me of a presentation at the Walt Disney Family Museum by Michael Campbell, who's the president of the Carrollwood Pacific Historic Society. And he woke, he spoke about Walt's passion for trains and how this passion drove Walt creatively. Um, like your family, Nancy, Walt's father, um, you know, they were also from a, a, railroading background. Um, Walt's father, Elias, was a carpenter on the Transcontinental Railway, and his uncle worked on the Union Pacific Railroad. And his uncle told all kinds of stories about the railroad, and these had a profound effect on Walt as a boy. And at the age of 14, Walt got a job on the Missouri Pacific Railroad as a news butcher, where he sold, you know, sodas and candy and, and snacks and fruit. And Roy had to, Roy's brother had to put up a thirty dollar bond for Walt, <laughs> and and Walt was a total failure at this job. I mean, this was one <laughs> of Walt's many failures in his life. Um, he ate too much of the candy himself. Um, sometimes the fruit he was given to sell was bad. Um, the vendor would put bad fruit at the bottom and then cover it with good fruit. And Walt wasn't savvy enough to go through the fruit before he took it on board the train to try to sell. Um, Walt also sold soda, and part of his revenue was the deposit money from returning the empty bottles. Well, Walt would store the bottles on, you know, in one of the cars of the train. Well, sometimes those cars would get detached from the train and hooked onto another train and Walt wouldn't realize it and then he'd lose his bottles or people would come along and take um, the bottles of soda when he wasn't looking. One of the perks though of the job was was that Walt would take breaks in the combine car which was hitched right after the coal car and he would offer the crew fruit from his father's farm and in exchange they taught him how to operate the train. Well, we move up to 1923, and Walt comes to California 
and opens the Disney Brothers studio with Roy, and he films the Alice comedies. He marries Lillian Bounds in 1925 and has a hit with Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which, you know, we know the story he loses in 1928. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Walt is in New York with Lillian when this happens, and he has a six-day train ride back to California. It's probably the longest six days of his life because he has to tell Roy what's happened. But he, he sent Roy a telegram saying everything was fine. And it, and that Oops. he would have news when he, he'd have news when he got home. Well, during the trip, you know, we know the story. He creates Mickey Mouse. Um, despite losing Oswald, um, you know, Walt didn't get mad. He got creative. And this was, again, something that he did throughout his life. If he failed, he, he didn't, he, he didn't accept the failure. He just got creative and overcame it. Um, so, Mickey Mouse was born on a train. Probably, arguably, Walt's greatest creation was born on a train. Now we move up to World War II, where the studio is facing one of its most difficult challenges. It's lost its revenue from Europe um, it, for films because of the war. The, it's facing a strike the first in its history, and the studio nurse sees how stressed Walt is and tells him that he needs a hobby. <laughs> so, Walt um, has, has a friend named Billy Jones, and Billy Jones also shared um, uh, Walt's passion with trains, his fascination with trains. And, and I don't know, Nancy, I know you know a lot of history of the Southern yeah. California area. You know in Santa Monica, are you familiar with the um, Venice Miniature Railway that used to exist? Somewhat, but not entirely. Okay, because, um, well... Engine number two was being sold, and Billy Jones heard about this and didn't want it to be scrapped. So in 1939, just hours before, engine number two was going to be loaded as scrap metal on a ship bound for Japan, where probably it would have been then converted into planes that would have been used against us in the war. Um, Billy Jones purchased it and then started... uh, um, to restore that miniature engine. And Walt found this really interesting and, and had long conversations um, about the restoration with Billy Jones. He also then learned that um, two of his animators, Ollie Johnston and Ward Kimball, um, have trains in their backyards. So Walt starts to talk to them about trains and about their hobbies. And in 1948... Um, Ward Kimball tells Walt about the Chicago Railroad Fair that he would um, go to regularly. So Walt says, well, why don't we go? And um, so they head off to the Chicago Railroad Fair. Of course, they take a train. Walt learns, Walt knows everybody on that train. By the time they get to Chicago, he knows exactly how to operate that train. He knows everybody's job on the train. But, you know, we wouldn't expect anything less, you know, from what we know about Walt. But one of the interesting things is not only did he go to the railroad fair, Walt went to the Henry Ford Museum, which is a living history museum, and it has seven historic districts, including a main street um, and a a railroad station, and it has working vintage vehicles that drive around these historic um, districts, taking passengers. It does sound familiar, (laughs) doesn't it? This, This Henry Ford Museum makes a big impression on Walt. 
So after this trip, Walt decides to go into model steam railroading. Um, he prefers the one and a half inch to one inch to one foot ratio. And so he begins construction on the Carrollwood Pacific Radio, uh, a railroad in 1949, um, for his backyard. And he commissions um, the model train Lily Bell, named after his wife. Roger Brogy built the train, but Walt did much of the woodwork, including the locomotive cab. Um, and, you know, you might know the story how when you know, Walt drew up the plans, well, Lillian was into gardening. And she had these beautiful flower beds all around their Carrollwood home because the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad was named for, um, you know, the street that their home was on. And she said, you are not digging up my <laughs> flower beds. And so Walt had the lawyers draw up a contract, the, the studio lawyers, giving him the right of way in his own backyard where he agreed to dig tunnels so as not to disturb Lillian's flower beds. And he actually had Lillian sign this legal document allowing him the right of way for his railroad in, in, <laughs> in the backyard. So um That's a great story. That's what it, always been one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it is. It I think it showed what a, in many ways what a playful relationship they had and and how tolerant Lillian really was of Walt. Yeah. And um so for a workshop that Walt needed in order to work on the trains, he built a new barn, but he, of course he built it to look old. And the barn was based on his family home in Marceline. And the barn was recreated for the film So Dear to My Heart. But Walt didn't just build the trains and the layout. He, this was a real railroad for Walt. He went into every detail for this railroad. He designed official letterhead. He had luggage tags. He had VIP tickets that he issued mm -hmm. to people. So he did everything to, to have a real working railroad. The Lily Bell ran in Walt's backyard in the Holmley Hills um, from 1950 until 1953 um, until a little girl was injured by steam in a minor accident. So Walt shuts down the railroad and has the Lily Bell taken to the studio you know, where it serves as Imagineer Bob Gurr's footstool for almost 15 years. Um, and it literally was under Bob Gurr's um, um, workbench um, at the studio. Uh, the, yeah, I know. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> that, I know. Just the things. Yeah, yeah. Walt just sort of moved on from um, from that. Um, the original Lily Bell and the Yellow Caboose were moved and put on display at Disneyland Main Street USA's train station um, until two th the year 2000 when it was returned to the Disney family and then a replica of the Lily Bell was placed on display. Um, Walt... Um, has now an original concept for a park in Burbank across from the studio with a train. But Walt's idea grows into Disneyland and but the thing he insisted upon was that it was surround it had to be surrounded by a train. So when Disneyland opened, the Disneyland and Santa Fe Railroad had two trains, the CK Holiday and the EP Ripley. Um, this live steam railway was constructed for two hundred and forty thousand dollars um, the two original locomotives cost $40,000 each. Um, the trains are 5'8 size, but the cabins had to be built three-quarter size in order to accommodate the crew. 
Now, I'm wondering now, you know, we all advise first-time visitors to Disneyland. You know, we tell them, you know, these are the things that you should do. How many – do you guys advise them the first thing they should do is to ride the train around the park? Wayne does, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily a first thing you have to do kind of girl. Uh-huh. It, it, for me, it's a, a nice break. It's a nice, um, it's n- a nice, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a respite? De- yeah, well, it's a respite, a, a deviation from the norm, you know, the running all over the park mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's, it's more that. I mean, certainly, certainly it's something you, you have to do at some point, but it's, for me, it's not that critical very first thing. Yeah, what about you, Tom? Yeah, um, I, I don't use it that way because I like to, because I like my first experience to be walking down Main Street and taking all, all of the entertainment and the, and the atmosphere there in. Yeah, I'll tell people, I'll tell first time people, first time visitors to, you know, go into town square. If they have children, I tell them, tell their children to close their eyes, walk to the top of Main Street, and then open their eyes so they see the castle. Uh-huh. And then, but then I tell them, get on the train because it gives them a glimpse into all the different lands. Right. And, which is exactly what Walt wanted. He wanted the train to give you an idea of what you could expect as well as to serve as practical transportation. I don't tell people though who go to the Magic Kingdom in Florida to do that because you don't see anything from their train. Uh-huh. Yeah. That goes around the Magic Kingdom. It's just a pleasant ride, really. So, um, so during Walt's lifetime, there were, there were five railroads at Disneyland. Can you name the five railroads? Oh goodness! Oh gosh! During Walt's lifetime. Well, it's, what was the one in Tomorrowland? That was the. Well, it's Casey Junior. That does that count? Yes, Casey Junior Circus Train. Okay. That's one. Um. What was the predecessor to the monorail? Oh, the uh, Viewliner. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, that's the one people don't get. And then monorail, like you monorail. said. Monorail. Monorail. Okay. Um, that's three. The Walt Disney Railroad, or the the. No, it wasn't Disneyland his lifetime. Oh, the Disneyland yeah. Railway, yeah. Disneyland Railroad, yeah. And one more. The Carol. I mean, does the Carolwood count in that or? No, it's no, no, Disneyland in, Park, right? Oh, in, in Disneyland, Disneyland Park. Park, right? Oh, 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 oh. And this is one of my favorite attractions when I was a boy. Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> oh, that's true. There is a, somewhat of a locomotive in there. Um, oh, 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 oh. It was in, uh, it was in Frontierland. So, Nature's, my train, yeah. Nature's, Nature's Wonderland. Nature exactly. Wonderland. Exactly, the mine Why train. Why am I thinking Nature's that? Nature's Wonderland. Right, so those are the five trains that Walt had in his park. Um, one of the last projects that Walt worked on before he passed away, of course, was the Florida Project and the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, which is Epcot. Um, Roy, his brother, was 73 years old when Walt passed away, and he put off his retirement to build Walt's dream. Um, however, he managed to convince Walt to first build a theme park to bring in revenue to help pay for the construction of Epcot. So Walt's love of trains was remembered at the Magic Kingdom. Um, Roger Brogy was put in charge of the Walt Disney World Railroad, and he required five locomotives. So four were salvaged from Mexico, where they had previously hauled sugarcane, and they were completely rebuilt. 
um, for the Magic Kingdom. And an interesting thing is, is in 1984, Michael Eisner discovered that the Disney company did not own the rights to the name Walt Disney. Um, they also <laughs> didn't, they, they also didn't own the rights to the Disneyland Railroad and the monorail. So he worked out a deal with Lillian Disney to acquire the rights. And, and so now that the Disney company owns, um, the railroad and the monorail. Now, even though a lot of this history is gone, you can still view the early history of Walt's trains. Um, the original Lily Bell and its cars are now on display at the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. Walt Disney's Carolwood Barn um, was moved in 1999. Um, now, Walt called this barn his happy place, and it was moved from his home in, um, to the Los Angeles Live Steamers Railroad Museum in Griffith Park, and Walt, Walt was a founding member um, of that museum. And the third Sunday in each month, the Walt Disney's Barn Museum, um, the original Santa Fe and Disneyland combine, co combine Coach, and Ollie Johnston's Victorian Train Depot are open, open for public visiting from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and this is the only free Disney attraction in the world. <laughs> <laughs> There so, is, of course, that recommended uh, that recommended donation of like three dollars a person. Yes, that's okay. Yes, <laughs> all for a good cause. That's true. That's, that's next true. to nothing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Now, Ollie it, Johnson's train, the Marie E, is now owned by John Lasseter, who also shares Walt's passion for trains, and it can be seen during special events at the Lasseter Family Winery in Glen Ellen in the Napa Valley, California. We need to take a road trip up there. We do. When you do, <laughs> yeah. let me know. Because we're, we're members of the wine club, so we can set something up. So, um, hey. it's, it's also on the label of one of the wines. Um, the, the Marie E. The Chenin de Fer, which, please, uh, for our French speakers, do not write in and tell me how I mangled that name. So. Anyway, um, the Billy Jones Wildcat Railroad, that old friend of Walt's, has been in operation in Oak Meadow Park and Vasona Park in Los Gatos, California, which is 50 miles south of the San Francisco Silicon Valley since 1970. And that old engine number two is still running there. Um, fares $2, under two is free with a paying adult. Um, the train is wheelchair accessible and the disabled ride free. Um, the operating hours vary by season, so you have to check their website um, for details. And uh, we'll put a link up in the show notes um, to that. And they have they have a lot of different miniature trains showing um, trains through different eras there. And Michael Campbell, who's the president of the Carrollwood Pacific Historic Society, um, when he was six, he rode in the cab of the Disneyland Railroad locomotive, and he wished he had a train. Well, as an adult, he bought the old Fort Wilderness Railroad, and it's yes. in his backyard. So it shows you that dreams do come true. <laughs> I know how hard they work to try and save that, because an old family friend of ours was uh, George Britton. He used to be the foreman of the Walt Disney World train shop. And we spent many a very, very, very early morning before they sent spent the trains out for the day, um, hanging out and listening to old stories about yeah. fixing up and buying those original trains because he came on board with the sh with the conversion of the sh of the uh, sugar trains. Yeah, for so. for a while, um, Ward Kimball's train was on display up in Sacramento at the Railway Museum. 
And every once in a while, they have special exhibits um, up here from Disney and other other collectors who are involved with Walt. Very so, cool. So that's the story of Walt Disney, the Railroader. So I hope you enjoyed it. All right. Excellent. Yay. Thank you, Michael. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch our other Disneyland shows this week, and of course we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.